Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Saba Talks podcast. My name is Pastor Chad Shapiro. I want to welcome you to Saba Talks. This is podcast number six. If you missed the last five, definitely go back and listen to those. And we encourage you to like and share and comment, get the words out there wherever you may be listening to this. And we have an incredible table of guests here that I'm just going to go around to the right and get a chance to introduce yourself. I'm Daryl Horn, director of Saba. We're glad you're listening. I'm Elizabeth Coffey, and I'm with the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Omar Martinez, Mighty Fortress Church, San Antonio. I am Pastor Dante Banks, and I am the water boy for this particular no group way, of no way. stars right here. I'm the pastor of God Chases Community Church. I'm Gary Patterson, pastor of uh, Berean Bible Fellowship. Uh... Uh, this one on podcast number six, we're excited to share with you about the life cycle of disruption, and I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Gary Patterson. Um, thank you. Appreciate it, Chad. I want to start this topic off by quoting a statistic that may not be exact, but I think it makes the point that 65 to 75% of our churches are either plateaued or declining. In the military, as a soldier, what I learned, uh, the first medical apparatus that we went to was what's called a sucking chest wound. Uh, when we were training uh, in the military. And sometimes our church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, in some regards, is suffering to some extent. Uh, And our goal by having these conversations is to figure out how we can disrupt in order to, to actually carry out the Great Commission and be the church that Christ wants us to be in our immediate context. And so we're talking about that. Uh, I was reflecting upon life cycle of disruption, but I'm also looking at life cycle of a local church. That life cycle of a local church, in our context, Dante, with church planters, and I've been involved in starting maybe 1,200, 1,500 churches. Mine included. And in those, the lifestyle of those churches can last anywhere uh, contemporary, uh, wise, maybe five to seven years. They may grow and then they start declining around the seventh year and they kind of run out of steam. Traditionally, doc, Dr. Horn, is what we've looked at uh, organizationally is that most churches we used to project they would last a hundred years. Yeah. So in the life cycle over a hundred years we would see large, well, in our context, Southern Baptist churches, we see that they were great back in the 50s and 60s, and right now they're empty in these years. And the buildings are being sold off, and and that just shows you the complexity and the problem that we're having. And so this conversation is imperative that we figure out what the life cycles are about and how we can conceive of these life cycles, take advantage of it, and, and, and pray our way through Elizabeth, get back to our spiritual dimensions to get some power, and then move organizationally, strategically, to make an intervention to move through that. One of the interventions we're talking about right now is cultivating a disruptive mindset yes. in a planning process. Mm that anchors seeing what you don't see so you can see a new market. Mm -hmm. And so in this lifestyle, I mean, life uh, cycle uh, and disruption. It also talks about 
helping in our churches. I was looking uh, just online a few minutes ago to talk about birth. Something starts in the beginning. Everybody's excited. It moves to growth. It has this maximum growth period coming right after that. It moves to maturity. All of a sudden, you got this group of people. Everybody's there and everybody's on board. And then you go to after maturity, then you start the plateau stage. You get to where you're kind of coasting along, and that can last a long time. And then the decline begins to happen. And where do you apply disruption mm-hmm. in that cycle? And then, of course, the other part of the declining is dropout and then death. And we see that all around us. What I want to talk about right now is disruption is best to be applied before you get to the plateau stage of your growth. And how do you find that spot before you start going down that you can have a plan and design some disruption to exceed that plateau and start moving to the next level? So I'd like to invite our discussion. If we are leaders of the local church, what should we be looking for at that plateau stage before we, it, our church starts plateauing? to begin to apply disruptive methodology so that we can we can strategically and intentionally intervene to move our churches to the next level and apply what we're learning about disruption yes let me open that up and I, I i think we can begin at the point when everything's going well okay because one of the things I've learned about disruptive innovation, good companies with good leaders still miss a whole lot that's going on around them. They don't see the disruptive forces that are taking place because everything's going good. Why, why innovate in a different direction when the bills are paid, we got plenty of money flowing in, everything's good, we can coast? I think it's at that time that we need to think to ourselves, we really need to rethink this thing, even though we might feel it's hitting on all cylinders at the, at the same time. Um, good, good companies with good leaders still aren't seeing everything. And they may not see a, um, a decline coming ahead mm-hmm. just because we get siloed very easily. We, we, we have short vision. Good, good churches with great leaders still aren't reaching everybody. You know, Collins said this in Good to Great. He says the enemy to great is good. Right, yeah. right. And we get comfortable with good, right. and it negates our movement toward great. Amen. And I think that kind of also goes yeah. along for what you're saying. You were going to say something, Jeff. I think we have to constantly have that heart of the Great Commission to make disciples. And so we're always reaching new people, and those new people have new ideas. And as we're discipling them, getting them to understand um, the heart that God gave you, the what you've learned, the Holy Spirit working within your life, and the disciplines you're carrying out, that you then are passing them on to another person that is full of energy and enthusiasm and new and excited. If you think about a sports team, Great to mature those leaders, to understand the system, to to grow into their skill set, to become older. 
But if you stagnate and just kind of hang your hat on those older players, then we're gonna we're gonna plateau and then we're gonna eventually decline. But if there's a culture of bringing on those new players, those rookies that are going to be there with the veterans and they're maturing at the same time as the veterans are maybe on the way out, you're going to continue to be able to carry on uh, that going forward in, in that team. I want to piggyback off of that because I believe like if we really believe the church is a living organism, right. not an infrastructure, not a, a cluster of programming, but if we believe that the church is a living organism... And like you said, Chad, um, filled with individuals with ideas who we believe are filled with the Spirit, Mm -hmm. uniquely, but also collectively, right? Mm -hmm. And if, like in our last podcast, we were talking about permission giving, um, and so you as the pastor are calling people to be the church at the end of the day, you're calling people to be the church, then how can we not expect... Yeah, yep. Disruption or new ideas, new ways of doing things. And if we're reaching new people after new people for doing what the church should be doing and we're bringing in new perspectives, then yes, at its best, at, uh, like Dr. Horn was saying, at, um, and like Gary was saying, when things are going well, that is when we will be the most innovative. Right. That is when we will all these new ideas or this new way of loving people, this new way of engaging people with the gospel. That should be flourishing and bubbling up constantly. If we're if we're doing what we say we're doing and believe what we say we believe. Right. In Isaiah uh, uh, forty three, um, the, the Bible says, "Behold, I will do a new thing." And we all we take that on. We love it. God's doing a new thing. And, and we serve an innovative God. He's always doing a new thing. But in, in verse uh, 18, he says, so remember not the former things. So we say, what are the former things? Well, if you read chapter 43, he starts listing out things that he's done, not bad things, wonderful things, amazing things, great things. And then he says, forget all that. Forget all the, the, the things that I did. Because if you, if you um, build a monument to those things that I did, you might miss that I'm about to do a new thing. And you have to perceive that God is about to do a new thing. So you can't be afraid. Uh, if you're going to have uh, an innovative church, you cannot be afraid of the new thing that God is doing. And it's and we talked about this before, and, and um, Elizabeth is correct. You, you have to be looking for the new thing to happen and cultivating whatever that new thing is, cultivating the people, um, like Chad mentioned, who are going going to bring in the new thing. Um, God is always doing something new. And so we have to have our, our ear to the to the ground. Um, there's an old uh, African adage about how you find wells. Um, the, you have to put your ear to the ground. Mm-hmm. And if you hear motion, mm-hmm. there's a well, there's water down there. Mm-hmm. And, and so before you um, try to... Uh, um, before you tr- go to a resource that's tapped out, you need to have your ear to the ground so you can be looking for new wells, new places that God is springing up something in your churches, in your businesses, in, in whatever it is that you lead. You have a responsibility to cultivate um, that that leadership and to cultivate the new thing that God is doing in, in, in the body. There's a statement that's made in leadership that the that sometimes the people that got you where you are may not be the people that will take you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're afraid of that. Yeah. To make that shift as leaders and we won't embrace it 
because of how much it may cost, what the consequences are, how much friction it is, and all of that. So we, we shy away from it. But another part of this is the whole idea, and let me use this illustration, of the woman at the well. I am flabbergasted by the thought that she was the one that went into the city and she was the vessel that was being used for the harvest of that day. Amen. Yeah, that's good. With the who-ness of who she was. Right. You know what time of day she went to the well and why. Yep. But it was her, an unlikely candidate, yeah. that would be perceived as unusual because of who she was and what she was that it was that very same person that was used to actually go among a new group of people and say, come see a man. And sometimes I think if we're not careful, we'll build the church around, as C. Peter Wagner said a long time ago, our kind of people. You have to be old enough to to remember (laughs) that book. But... And, and to see these new gifts, you said, Elizabeth, these new gifts that God sent as raw as they may be. And, you, noti- and notice the fact that Jesus said, I must go to Samaria. Mm-hmm. It was a divine I absolutely have to yeah. go. I have to go and seek out this disruptor mm-hmm. because there is a disruptor at a well. Mm-hmm. She is waiting there for me. And so I have to go there and seek out this disruptor. I think that's, um, we have to have that mentality yeah, uh, of Jesus. And even if we have to send some other people <laughs> away, well, yeah. Lord forbid, but even if we have to send some other people away because they can't understand this relationship or this conversation I have to have with this disruptor. Um, because I got I to gotta have language for my disruptors. There's a there's a certain way I got to speak to them um, yeah. that that may not correlate with the way I speak to somebody who helps me maintain the status quo, and so I got to go away. I got to do a lunch with this disruptor yeah, um, yeah. and and figure out how I can use them to disrupt a whole city, a whole a whole people group, a whole a whole nation. I just think it's the fact that he thought it was he had to go. He mm-hmm. said I mm-hmm. have to go to mm-hmm. Samaria. I think that's so cool. And I think that it's important to think that he was, and for us to keep in mind what systems are at play that would not allow her to be seen, that he was challenging too. I say this as a young woman inside a Baptist life. And what does it mean to be something sometimes where a system, it's difficult to break into to say, what does it mean for me to lead here? And who is necessary to invite me to the table to say, no, you have a voice here. You, um, you can speak here. That's so good. And it's, it's a hard reality sometimes that you need a permission giver like that, a Jesus to show up at a well to say, right. you are more than the identity this culture has placed upon you. You're more than your past, um, right. and your future is bright yeah. because you're about to change a community. Um, so go do that. I think that it's so critical when to think about what systems are at play too that are framing and shaping the way we say well to be a leader you must look like this yeah. you must have you must come this type of family you must um have you must be married you must x y and z all mm-hmm. these things and this is what's going to make you presentable yeah. but he said no you know i have somewhere to be and yeah. she has somewhere to be <laughs> i love wow. it yeah, no, that, that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's actually that wonderful. Sure. I love that. 
uh, you know, in response to like the life cycle or when to like introduce disruption mm-hmm. in, in the life cycle, whether it's of your church or um, in any scenario, I almost want to say it's like it's constant and it's now. It's constant. It's, it's even That's if I good. had a seven year plan and this is my day one of planning a church, I wouldn't wait till things are good, right, to, to, to throw mm-hmm. it in the mix. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's it's also constantly coming and it's constantly readily available. It's mm-hmm. just always stirring. Uh, so so I, when I when I think of the word life cycle of disruption, I almost go back to think, what does disruption look like in a scenario of something surfacing from maybe somebody in the church and how we respond to it and how we carry it through and how that disruption is translated into something great, you know, for the kingdom. I see that cycle. Like, what are, what does that look like to you, Gary, in terms well, of... I'm not so sure I'm capturing everything you said, but here's something quickly in the time that we have left that came to my mind. Is begin to see a new need. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's what Christensen talks about, is that that people begin to see a new need. You know, Christensen goes back to the old a Toyota illustration, and we didn't use that one today, but that's the one that he uses all the time. He saw it had to be inexpensive, able to buy it, and they flooded the market downstream with that Toyota. Uh, and, and now everybody, every third car out front is, is a Toyota, and they went up market with it. I think a leader would do well, if they want to think about disruption, to first of all try to be prophetic. Can I use that biblical yeah. word? Yeah. To see a new need. Amen. And then begin to cultivate the leadership that would be needed to engage that need. Mm-hmm long before you, you get to the pinnacle of plateau. Mm-hmm. That's right. And they call it in just in the background, it may you just may it may be almost like they do at Sabbath. Dr. Horn has, you know, seven, eight people in a group that we don't even know what they do in that room. And it results in what you see happening here. So good, so good. To to kind of recap as we go around the table. I uh... I think uh, one of my takeaways is it is important for us to recognize that there are life cycles. There's life cycles to everything. And churches have life cycles. And unfortunately, we don't recognize those life cycles um, and, and sometimes until it's too late, until we're way past plateau and we're, we're headed down in decline even then, there still needs to be innovation. But I, I think catching it early, but maintaining a constant attitude of looking for what we don't see. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it goes back to it's, it's the Great Commission of making disciples of all people groups. That's got to be the bottom line. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about earlier and I'll make this short. This could be another whole podcast by itself. We measure the wrong things. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we measure how many people show up on Sunday morning. Did we get enough in the offering plate? Did we pay the bills? I know those things are important, but I think there's some other things that we don't have time to go into that we could actually measure that measure spiritual growth and measure hitting the target of of uh, identifying the right things that we're focusing on. Terrific. Elizabeth? I think I, I'm just thinking about the simplicity of 
of asking the church to be a church, but the complexity of being ready for what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, we're asking something simple of our people, of the Bible study that you lead, maybe of your family as a pastor, maybe as a, of a congregation. Something simple to be exactly what Jesus said to be as the church. Mm-hmm. But sometimes then what happens is the spirit moves. And that's complicated, and it feels complicated in the midst of our contexts to figure out how, how to steward that well and to lead that well. And so I think that's what I'm holding today after this conversation. Great. I like that ditto. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think um, about the fierce urgency of now. Mm. Um, this is the moment. Now, uh, Jesus said it like this. I mean, he said, "He said today, this is spoken into your hearing. The word today, there is not today. It's semi-don. It means this moment, this moment right now. And I think even um, if you're listening to this, you have an opportunity right now. It doesn't matter if you're if you're a disruptor or if you're a father or a, a, a mother, someone you, uh, who gives permission to a disruptor. Um, this is the moment now." For you to start looking for who Jesus looked for, for you to start looking for a new market, uh, looking for a new audience, looking for a new need that can be fulfilled. And you have it. You have whatever you need to fulfill that need. So um, this is the moment now. In the in the changed life cycle, there's a last phase of the laggards. The laggards are the people who will never change. And will never lend to do anything. And I guess I would say, love your laggards, but don't maximize their energy in your process. Amen. That's terrific. That'll wrap us up for podcast number six of Saba Talks. We encourage you to share it, like it, comment, and stay tuned for further episodes. Take care and God bless you. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Talks podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for kingdom.